0: Reading Short and Deep Hi, I'm Jesse And I'm Eric And today we're reading Short and Deep The Pimienta (laughs) Pancakes by O. Henry First published in McClure's December 1903 I was trying to recall uh, how I got onto this story I have a feeling it was a listener suggested it, but I can't find any evidence of that, and usually I, I like to document these things. Uh-huh. Um, usually, it's uh, it's like that poem "Way leads onto way," you know. But whoever turned me onto this story, oh my god, it's so funny! <laughs> I just love like reading it. Good. I love reading this story. It's so funny. Um, it has so many things. Uh, like just going through it, um, looking at, like I have no idea uh, when I started reading. It, I had no idea where it was set. I didn't know half the vocab words, um, and yet I totally followed exactly everything that was going on. And I was like, "Why is this so familiar?" Um, I, I'm pretty sure I hadn't read it before. And I, 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 like O. Henry, but he's not my favorite. But this story is just so, so funny, and so good. I, I'm like, I need to read more O. Henry. Um, but I, I was, I think, it was in the shower this morning, and uh, I realized why it was so familiar. Um, and I think you'll you will, uh, know who I'm talking about, too. Um, uh, the, the main tale teller here, uh, who's a cook at the time he's telling the tale, um, <laughs> uh, reminds me very much of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> the way he talks, the way he acts... The fact that he's kind of dopey, um, and he gets defeated by a wascally uh, uh, mule <laughs> or a uh, sheep farmer, um, it's it's
1: like a cartoon.
0: It, <laughs> well,
1: I I guess so. I guess so. Certainly, uh, the the guy who is a cook at the time of his telling of the inner story does seem uh, full of. Garl darn it, and consarnation, yeah. and so on. Yeah. Uh, lots of easy anger and funny words. Uh, but I think there's more.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, the, the other cool thing about it is that um, we don't know going in uh, what the problem was. Um, and yet, uh, I, I, I get... so. I, I get fooled just like uh, he did.
1: <laughs> well, wait, wait, which he? Maybe, maybe. Let, let's tell the story a little sure. bit. All right. Sure. So the story begins with a first-person narrator who clearly is involved with cattle as a cowboy, mm-hmm. and he's been injured, so he's got a week of bed rest. Well, not bed, but you know, a week of of rest uh, one day he is uh and he's, he's getting really hungry I and mean, he's bored and one day he is near the chuck wagon and he gets a hankering for pancakes so he asks the the cook if he could make pancakes i uh, the cook immediately takes offense he so says, are you gaffing me, or do you really want pancakes? And he says, no, 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 I really want pancakes. What are, you, what, what are you talking about? And then the cook goes and tells a story, which is the main part of this story. So it's a nested narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his story is that once upon a time when he was a cow puncher, not a cook, he was he got a, a hankering for some particular food. In his case, it was something that wouldn't come under the caption of grub, as he calls it. He wants canned fruit. And he goes, rides to the nearest general store, which is Uncle Emsley's, and is sitting there on the counter, eating directly out of a large, actually more than one large tin of fruit. When he sees a good-looking, unexpected foreign-looking, as he puts it, meaning foreign, it turns out, foreign to the cattle raising world, a woman out there uh, on the lawn of the adjoining house, which is where Uncle Emsley lives, the shop owner and proprietor, and she's playing croquet with herself. Um, he is smitten, asks for an introduction. They get an introduction. He starts riding into town once a week to talk with her. He then starts writing in twice a week. Uh, One week he decides to come in on a different day and see, looks for her and she's not there. Uncle Emsley says that she was out riding with this other fellow, a snoozer, um, a sheep herder. And our guy decides, our cattle puncher, that he is going to uh, threaten this fellow with death. (laughs) Um, But the guy says, you know, listen, I wasn't courting her. I just want her pancakes. See, I live all alone and I take care of myself. I, I, I do everything. I cook, I clean. You know. I don't have any need for a wife, but boy, her pancakes are just amazing. And she won't give me the recipe. It's been in the family for 75 years. So they make a deal that if if our guy, the, the, the cattle man, can get the recipe from the lady and give it to the sheep man, the sheep man won't see her ever again. And of course, what happens is they run into each other from time to time. And one, at a certain time, our sheep, our cattle guy goes into town and discovers, in fact, that the lady isn't there. She has gone off and married um, the sheep man. So he feels he has been made a fool of. And then we get to the outside of the frame where we come back to uh, the cook erstwhile cattleman talking to our current cattleman um, who says, um, turns out that she wasn't, she never did it at all. She never was a cook. She lied to um, the, the snoozer, the sheepman. lied to our cattleman, now cook saying he wanted that recipe. And he also lied to uncle Emsley and his niece, saying, listen, that guy is going to start, He's he got hit in the head with a frying pan um, when he wanted some pancakes once upon a time. He gets a little crazy. So if ever he asks for pancakes, just sort of humor him and get away so he doesn't get violent. And that's what <laughs> happens. They keep trying to, to, to set, step up. So somehow this, this sheep herder comes up with two great lies for two different people, At the moment, he's being threatened with death by our main narrator. So what happens at the end? Well, he says uh, now uh, to the the cook, erstwhile cattleman says, didn't I tell you there wasn't no receipt? Meaning Mm -hmm. recipe said, Judd, the boys hollered pancakes till they got pancake hungry. And I cut this receipt out of a newspaper. How does the Chuck taste? That is, now he's making pancakes. He's finished
0: but, it, yeah. He's exactly. been telling the story, and he's finished making the pancakes. The guy's eating them.
1: Exactly. They're delicious, I answered. Why don't you have some, too, Judd? I was sure I heard a sigh. Me, said Judd, I don't never eat them. <laughs> and that's presumably an O. Henry ending, this yes. sort of, that twisty thing. So that's the story, right? It's a nested story. Um, but I, in giving the plot, I don't think touched on the delight of the language that you already mentioned. Mm-hmm.
0: It is a it is real delight, and uh, I want to read uh, a bit of it here. And So I'm starting on page 142, which is, I guess, a couple pages. And oh, by the way, there's uh, some beautiful illustrations uh, coming with it. Um, uh, so uh, this is the full st- First full paragraph on 142. I was punching then for old Bill Toomey on the San Miguel. One day I gets all ensnared up in aspirations to eat some canned grub that hasn't ever mooed or bought or grunted or been in peck measures. I don't. I don't know what that last
1: one is. So I get a peck uh, is like a barrel. It's, it's a, it's a
0: spice. Can no canned uh, meat. Uh, no no uh, no meat. He wants something else, right? Because he's a cowboy, he's
1: he wants no meat and he wants no beans.
0: Ah, gotcha. Okay, so I gets on my bronc and pushes the wind. For, <laughs> I pushes the wind for Uncle Emsley's Telfairs uh, store at Pimienta Crossing on the New nu- New nu- nu- It means nuts
1: in Spanish. is right. Castellano.
0: Right. So this is. Uh, I, I looked up some of the place names. This is all Texas. Um, like the, every all the place names are real, as far as I can tell. Um, about three in the afternoon, I throwed my bridle rein over the, over a mesquite limb. Now, actually, that's kind of interesting, because earlier, our, our, uh, I narrator, um, he tripped over a mesquite limb, and that's how he got his ankle twisted. Um, um
1: the mesquite limb caught his stirrup. There you go. Yeah.
0: So, um, it, it's, you know, it's, I guess, local flavor.
1: <laughs> anyway, well, mesquite, very good pun.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, walked the last 20 yards to Uncle Emsley's store. I got up on the counter and told... (laughs) It it is a cartoon. I got up on the counter and told Uncle Emsley that the signs pointed to the devastation of the fruit crop of the world. In a minute, I had a bag of crackers and a long-handled spoon with an open can of of apricots and pineapples and cherries and green gauges beside me, with Uncle Emsley busy chopping away with a hatchet at the yellow clings. I was feeding like Adam. Sorry, I was feeling like Adam before the apple stampede and was digging my spurs into the side of the counter and working with my 24-inch spoon (laughs) Uh, when I happened to look out the window into the yard of Uncle Emsley's house, which was next to the store. There was a girl standing there, an imported girl with with fixins on, (laughs) philandering with a croquet mall, and amusing herself by watching my style of encouraging the fruit canning industry. So, we have to do so much decoding. To, <laughs> just, like <laughs> It's not super hard to decode, because, you know, you're, like, you're getting a picture. But the way he, his, his style of talking is just, it's delightful. I slid off the counter and delivered up my shovel to Uncle Elmsley. So it started as a long-handled spoon, then it turned into a 24-inch spoon, and now it's a shovel, right? That's right. my niece," he says. Uh, Miss, we- and I love her name, Will Ella Learwright, <laughs> uh, down from Palestine on a visit. Do you want that I should make you acquainted? The Holy Land," I says to myself, the thoughts milling her some as I tried to run em into the corral. Why not? Uh, there was sure angels in pallet. Why, yes, Uncle Emsley. I says aloud, I'd be awful edified to meet Miss and This uh, delightful language is it, its what makes the story just all the better. Because the, the plot is actually very clever and tricky, and I'm just following it along and not knowing that I'm getting tricked. Um, But then when uh, he meets Judson, that language, again, it's just it's delightful. Because he's basically... He's a monster, <laughs> but because the way he talks uh, is so, I don't know, ridiculous, it makes it in a cartoon in a way that you don't mind that he's a, he's a monster uh, that you know, like Yosemite Sam is, is plumb dangerous. <laughs> he um, is. Uh, so I want to read on page one forty four where where he meets um, his competitor. Afternoon, I says to him. You now ride with an equestrian, who is commonly called Dead Moral Certainty Judson, on account of the way I shoot. When I want a stranger to know me, I always introduce myself before the draw, for I never did like to shake hands with ghosts. (laughs) Ah, says he, just like that. Ah, I'm glad to know you, Mr. Mr. Judson. I'm Jackson Bird, from over at Mired Mule Ranch. Just then one of my eyes saw a roadrunner skipping down the uh, maybe that's why it tri- triggered to it be a, being a cartoon. Uh, just then one of my eyes saw a roadrunner skipping down the hill with a young tarantula in its bill. And the other eye noticed a rabbit hawk sitting on a dead limb in a water elm. I popped over one after the other with my 45 just to show him. Two out of 3 says I, birds just naturally seem to draw my fire wherever I go. <laughs> He's threatened him with death. Uh, nice shooting, says the sheep man, without a flutter. And I love that. I didn't just notice it now. <laughs> without a flutter. Uh, right. But mm. don't you sometimes ever miss the third shot? Elegant fine rain that last week for the young grass, don't you think, Mr. Judson? Says he. Mm-hmm. Willie says I, riding over close to his palfrey. Uh, again, one of these words like, what's that mean? <laughs> Your your infuriated parents may have denounced you by the name of Jackson, but you sure molted into a twittering willy. (laughs) Let us slough slough off this here analysis of rain and the elements and get down to talk that is outside the vocabulary of parrots. That is a habit you got of of riding with young ladies over at Pimienta. I've known birds, says I, to be served on toast for less than that. Miss Will- Willella says I don't want ever want to. Any nest made out of sheep's wool by a tomtit of Jack's, Jacksonian branch of ornithology. Now, you going to quit, or do you wish f- to gallop up against this dead moral certainty of attachment to my name, which is good for two hyphens and at least one set of funeral obsequies? Obsequ- Obsequies? Obsequies. 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 So, like, I I pride myself on knowing a lot of vocab words, but this cowboy who <laughs> his grammar's all backwards and inside out, which is awesomely hilarious, is full of like the, the first one that hit me was at the beginning of the story is obmutescence, and I sort of got the idea. Therefore, I was manna in the desert to Judge of Judd's obnu- obmutescence. So it's not just. The Judson Cowboy, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Cook, who has this language built into him, it's also our narrator, right? It's like they're, they, they're so off in the woods by themselves and using their, their highfalutin language <laughs> and their bad grammar. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a delight, a super delight to read.
1: I agree. I'd like to note that that line, um, it it was worth uh, two hyphens and funeral obsequies, is somebody commenting on the language from within the story. Mm. It's not just Judd who uh, uses that language. It is, as you point out, Also, Jackson Bird, who uses this strange language. Uh, The strange language is characterized by having highly unusual words. Some of them are actual words, like the one you just mentioned, um, meaning to go mute. Mm -hmm. And some of them are slang, like, you know, he calls the fellow Willie. Uh, I couldn't find out what Willie meant in 1903. Nowadays, it is, uh, well, not even anymore, but in the second half of the or the middle half of the twentieth century in America, Willie was a diminutive for penis. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it meant then. Uh snoozer uh is slang for something that's really boring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was slang for that in nineteen oh three. So maybe, you know, calling the sheep man a snoozer uh builds on the stereotype of the cattleman versus the sheepman, but this cat, this sheepman is wealthy, right? He farms eight sections. A section, unless they're using it in an un, in an aberrant way, in 1903, after, ever since the Homestead Act, a section is a square mile. So this guy has eight square miles of grassland, and we're told he's got forty thousand sheep on it. Mm -hmm. This is one really wealthy guy. He doesn't have to cook for himself. It's clear. Um, And he already knows that as Judd already knows, he's got eight sections. He, Jackson Bird, speaks in this interesting way, extraordinary language, extraordinary words, most of which are real some of which might be a slang that is made up by the implied author uh, or maybe was actually current. Uh, o. Henry lived all over the place, so he may well, and was born in North Carolina, although was associated with New York, he may actually know that this is real slang. But what's more important is, to me, Uncle Emsley mm. also uses that language, mm. right? When he's asked uh, at, in the, the back frame um, about the pancakes, he admits, She never made one in her life, and I never saw one, said Uncle Emsley, soothing. Calm down now, Judd. Calm down. You've got excited, and that wound in your head is contaminating your sense of intelligence. (laughs) Your, Your sense of intelligence? There is something just so slightly wrong about the use of all of these words, even though the words themselves are bizarre. You would not expect people without formal education to have them uh, and you don't have some of them you've said and you mm-hmm. have not formal education mm-hmm. so they've got these words they are kind of the right words but they're off a little she's um what is it it says about what what will is doing she's, she's philandering yeah. <laughs> she's philandering the uh with the <laughs> right he's uh,
0: telegraphing it right
1: <laughs> well yes but not only that i mean think of the the freudian implications the picture shows her standing with a uh, a croquet mallet right um as you would expect uh up sort of toward the bottom of her abdomen there and she is uh philandering herself with a, a croquet mallet i mean Holy Toledo.
0: And they, he calls it a mall as well, right? Yes.
1: He calls it a mall, which means, uh, which is a kind of m- mallet. Yeah, but it's it, a weapon, <laughs> but it was a weapon. And it also means to destroy. Um, so it has that second implication. And he talks about eating feeling like Adam before the Apple, Apple stampede. There's all kinds of references in here, including to the Texas town of Palestine, mm-hmm. uh, which is where they go to get married. Um, Oh, that's where she's from. I'm sorry, that's where she's from, from Palestine. She's the Holy land. land. So this is, I'd like to suggest, this strange, slightly off language isn't slightly off in a random direction. It's slightly off in a direction that shows people grappling with two things. Desire and the need to have a well-regulated society. Where, in fact, the church gives us the story that should create the framework within which we have that well-regulated society. And there are references to the Bible throughout. There are questions of promise there. I mean, when when Judd says that he's a murderer, he doesn't say I'm a murderer. He says, my name is dead moral certainty. (laughs) You know, wow. It's a dead moral certainty. He's going to kill. Absolutely. You can trust his word on that. There's a strange thing going on here. And I guess what I'd like to say is the the funny language. If you put together the the two valences by which these strangely odd words, highfalutin words are misused, you put them together. What's happened here is that the implied author has actually created a world. Everyone we see in this world speaks in the same odd way. It's not just Judd who talks this way. And so this language, although it seems to characterize him because he's the most prominent narrator, he's just the representative of this world. So at the end, when it turns out that he himself never has pancakes, we know that he doesn't actually want to keep tying himself to that world. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't because he is no longer a cattleman. He has become he has become the cook. Yeah. He didn't get the recipe for the pancakes, but he found one in the well regulated world, cut it out of the newspaper, and it works just fine. And that's why he is, allows himself to be alone. He's become a humble man. He was angry. When he thought that the outer narrator was gaffing him about the story of the pancakes, but when he found out that he wasn't being attacked, he was okay to tell the story of the pancakes.
0: Right. And uh, I wanted—I want to read the description of those pancakes. I mean, This—this—I uh, haven't—I haven't hankered for pancakes in a long time. You know, like they're not my favorite, but the—the uh, the fact that they're delicious at the end, <laughs> and yeah. also I uh, like just. Uh, hearing about the story title, i like, Pimienta Pancakes. Uh, I think you told me Pimienta means pepper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never had pepper pancakes, but a, the Pimienta here is the place, right?
1: Um, right. As, so, is, as is Nueces, which is, or Nueces. Right. The these are all East Texas. nuts. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of food imagery throughout this. And bird. the bird imagery is great.
0: But uh, here's the description we get from the competitor. The guy who, basically, he's the Bugs Bunny. (laughs) He gets what he wants and makes a fool out of uh, Judson. Uh, He describes him. Uh, Mr. Judson, did you ever taste the pancakes that Miss Learright makes? Me? No, I told him. I never was advised that she was up to any culinary maneuvers. (laughs) 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 They're golden sunshine, says he. Honey Brown by the Ambrosial Fires of Epicurus. I'd give two years of my life to get the recipe for making them pancakes. That's what I want to see Miss Leer for, says Jackson Bird, but I haven't been able to get it from her. It's an old recipe that's been in the family for 75 years. They hand it down from one generation to another, but they don't give it away to outsiders. If I can get that recipe so I could make them pancakes for myself on my ranch... I'd be a happy man, says Bird. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so funny. He he set a trap, um, completely uh, prevented himself from being murdered, right? Yep. Um, and then, uh, presumably, you know, like, uh, our Judson character here is not literally a murderer. Because if he was, he could go kill that guy and, you know, make her a widow and, you know... But once they're married, and, he's been outmaneuvered, that. right? You,
1: that, that's not a way to win the heart of Fair Maiden. No, it's not. I mean, he could murder him before the wedding, but afterwards, eh, I He
0: I don't was, know. He was, trying to, he was trying to, you know, shy him off without murdering him. Yes. <laughs> he murdered two birds, but he didn't murder the third because, you know, it's illegal and might get into a little trouble and she might scare off the lady, right? Um yep. Uh, and instead of, uh, you know, scaring him off, he's, he's mollified. Oh, oh, you don't want to marry her? Well, I had just thinking suspicion, well, why don't you just marry her, and then she'll make you pancakes every day, <laughs> she is, uh, well, it's because he doesn't want to kill this guy, right? He just wants to scare him off. And since he doesn't need scaring off, he just needs that recipe, well, he flipped the script. He did a judo maneuver, right? Right. And, and and now every time he brings up the pancakes they get all horrified so the uh the uncle um he comes out with a 45 and a glass of water and says you better drink this <laughs> sit down drink this or uh this other can- hand cannon's going to come after you right
1: one of the things i like about the story is the way that the, the things that you're observing turn out to to fulfill the story. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance. Um, he really does. That is now as a cook. Judson really does get angry. And think about threatening violence. When someone mentions pancakes. Right. That is the the idea that the, the sheep herder had created. Jackson Bird saying. You know this guy. Gets a little violent when pancakes are mentioned, uh, turns out to be true.
0: Well, yeah, now. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: It turns out to you be true. You got hit over the head with a
1: pan. <laughs> exactly. So it, a lot of this works that way. Now, it, it, that passage you read, now, are you going to quit or do you wish to ga- for to gallop up against this dead moral certainty attachment to my name, which is good for two hyphens and at least one set of funeral obsequies? Um, there's a little bit of talking. And then... Um, the bird says as uh, well. Jackson says uh, he flushed some and then he laughed. Why? Mr. Judson says he you've got the wrong idea. I've called on Miss letter right a few times, but not for the purpose. You imagine my object is purely a gastronomical one. I reached for my gun. Any coyote <laughs> says I that would boast of a dishonorable. Wait a minute, says this bird. Till I explain what I would I do with a wife. Do you ever right? And so then he changes his language. I was Never uh, advised that she was up to any culinary maneuvers, right, Um, that he's trying not to use the word gastronomical (laughs) because he realizes that his bird realizes that Judson doesn't understand what it means. (laughs) Now, interestingly, there are so many odd words like the one you gave us at the beginning, becoming deaf, um, that are used correctly, although off kilter. This, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse, is the only word that is actually misunderstood yeah, in yeah. this world. Everyone seems to be able to undo the un- un- the off kilteredness and understand what's going on. <laughs> yep. This one word, gastronomical, is what is misunderstood, <laughs> and it is in fact about eating. Whether it's the apple in the Garden of Eden or the pancakes that are first mythical and then real as the the uh, trigger for uh, Judd's violence. Uh, it's eating that will substitute for courting. It is eating those canned peaches and plums and so on that manage to fulfill the heart of a lonely cattleman. Mm. Eating is the heart of this story, and language is the heart of this story. I can't help but notice, my friend, I do both of those with my mouth. (laughs) This, and you laugh, this is a story that somehow, although it's about courtship and marriage, is hardly at all about the lower reaches of the human body. It's all about the strange language we use, the way our mind, I mean, the wound he gets is to his head.
0: Yeah,
1: It's all about the head. Whether it's food or laughter, and the closest we get to it being about romance is the possibility of thinking of a kiss. This is a strange romantic novel, a story in which the liar, the quick-witted liar, manages to win the girl. Mm -hmm. In that regard, it's just like the fairy tales.
0: I want to point out uh, something that backs up what you're saying. I I love the description of of uh, Miss uh, uh, Leirright. She said, uh, she she's described a girl standing there, an imported girl with fixins on. Now fixins <laughs> makes yep. me think of like food, you know, like mmm, get my fix, <laughs> get the mustard out, <laughs> yep. get the relish out. Uh, he's <laughs> He and by the way, also, all those fruits that he's eating, um, yep. and the one that, that triggered it for me <laughs> accidental pun there, um, it was the green gauges, the apricots, and pineapples, and cherries, and green cages. Um, I, it might even be in that order, um, from the Rossetti poem. What, how's it go? Um, she's got. Uh it's goblin market that's what it is. Ah right? it has all and and in that in that poem um sex and fruit are so intertwined that the eating of the of the fruit is a sexual act.
1: Well, fruit after all is the result of sex. True enough. Right. That's, I mean, the fruit of his of her uh, his loins, the fruit of her womb. Mm -hmm. That's what fruit is. That's Mm -hmm. what, you know, that's what happens when pollination. You got it. So we're back again to this. There is, in fact, always more to say.
0: And remember. You can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for reading short and deep.